it's Miley and Mandy and we are the, the main, main dish. dish we are so excited to have you back for our episode today if you are a new listener welcome if you have Yay. been listening to us welcome back and uh, today we're talking a little bit about vulnerability but before we dive in what's up what's new <laughs> tell me something good and new I love so that's one of my questions that I love oh. to ask people instead of asking like how are you or, you know, how was your weekend? I like to say, tell me something good and new in your life. Oh, gosh. Good and new. I feel like you know everything about me. Oh, oh, here's one. Good and new. It was recommended to me to watch The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. I've never heard of that. Same. I was like, I don't know what that is. Doesn't The title doesn't sound like something I necessarily want to watch. But so somebody had told me a guy on the dating app had said he was watching it and then stayed up really late binging it. And I was like, okay, good for you. And then <laughs> I just carried on with my day. Um, but then I came home. I had gone out to happy hour on Saturday and hit a patio or two, had a drink or two, and then came home and wasn't really ready to go to bed. It wasn't late. So I turned on Netflix and the Queen's Gambit was right there at the front and your devices are listening i know i didn't even say it out loud it was in the one device that's not connected to the other i don't know it's weird and and i'm signed into two different accounts on those devices so take that but (laughs) (laughs) i think it's a really take that ears so it turns out i was like okay i read about it and it says it's about a girl with addiction and a chess Mm. like she's a genius chess player and also battles some addiction issues so you said the magic word addiction as we previously identified if there's any if if i have a type it's addicts Mm -hmm. so i was like i'm in so i hit play this show hooked me so hard harder than i've been hooked on a show ever maybe in the first 10 minutes Ooh. i mean what does gambit mean so the queen's gambit Uh is actually a chess play oh so i know how to play chess and when i say i know how to play chess i know how the pieces move i was just gonna say i was like i know how to play chess but i've never heard of queen's gambit so maybe i don't know how to play chess. right this is what i'm coming to realize (laughs) is everything i thought i knew i don't know shit but i know like i know how to move the pieces and i know the point of the game yeah i don't know all there's a shit ton of strategy so it's kind of cool like knowing a little bit about chess and watching these these tournament because it's not like about tournaments but there are tournaments so you end up just seeing a lot of these Mm. like chess strategies but the story of the lead woman the lead female starts with it kind of starts in the future in this really crazy way and then it takes you back to her origin and holy shit the whole thing is just I, I, and I didn't even realize they were like 40, 44 minute episodes. So it's like an hour long show, but no commercials, right? So they're 40 some minutes. I watched four of them. Whoa. <laughs> I was Whoa, up nice. a little late. Watch, and I popped it. some popcorn in the middle of it. Yeah, popcorn. Wouldn't be an episode if I didn't talk about popcorn. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, wow. I, I mean, it was 2 a.m., and I, I forced myself to go to bed. I was so wound up, though, watching the show. So good. Wow. So I good. I like it. And then I posted on Facebook, like, what the hell? I just binged half of this series. This is so good. And all these people start lighting up the comments. Like, oh, yeah, girl, we saw that. We just finished it. Blah, blah. I was like, every single one of you is on notice 
for not telling me about the show. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Y'all been like letting me sleep on this. Like, tell me. Why ain't nobody telling me before? It makes me want to think, what other shows are there out do, there that... Do I even have friends? Why are you up? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's so good, Why are you so keeping good, it from me? And the variety of people that enjoyed this show, I mean, it was across the board. Um, yeah, across the board, like, people whose opinions I trust really enjoyed the show. And, damn, I'm really excited to get back into watching it, but I know it sucks me in and I can't... I can't stay up until 2 a.m. on a work night and watch it. So I'm holding out until the weekend when I hopefully have a little bit of time to stay up late and watch TV. Mm, that's you what's got some good discipline, girl. That's what's good and new with me. Wow, nice. I like it. It's really for easy sharing. for me not. It's really easy for me not to watch TV. What's good and new with you? Oh, okay. How was your camping? My camping trip was really fun. So good and new when when you first asked me or when I first asked you and I was like, oh, I wonder if she's gonna ask me if, I, if she's gonna ask me, I'm gonna say my sleeping bag. But my camp- <laughs> <laughs> my camping trip was amazing. I'll go to I'll go into that a little bit. But um, my sleeping bag is new and good because before this trip I didn't have a sleeping bag. Wait, is it a brand new sleeping bag or is it a hand me down? It's a hand me down. I knew it. <laughs> but it needed a new home, and I love being a new home for. Is this one of our coworkers? No, it, actually yes, <laughs> because I went camping with our you know our coworker. Katie Martin. Okay. And recently in the last year, been really into camping or just exploring the outdoors. And, you know, I've been, I've lived in Arizona since I was four years old, Mm -hmm. but my family doesn't really, we didn't grow up with vacations. We didn't really grow up with anyone who taught me about the outside world. Asians aren't really known for being campers. No, we're not. So I didn't really experience any of that. Yeah. I didn't experience any of that. And so in the last year I've been hiking more, been more outdoors. Katie and her husband are outdoorsy people and they have like a four by four truck and they can go out into like these off-roading stuff. And so they took me camping this weekend. I like that Um, you say off-roading stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still learning the lingo. Uh, And so, and I didn't have a, I've gone, I went camping for the very first time this summer. Okay. And uh, the person I was with provided all of the stuff. Uh, And then we went camping a few more times and I used all his stuff. But this time I was with Katie and Tim and I didn't have any of my camping stuff. And they shared, they bought new sleeping bags and they had an extra sleeping bag and they said I could use it. And then I loved it so much and they said, well, since you don't have one and you're a new adventurer, here's a gift from one adventurer to another adventurer. I love that. And so I was, it is good and it's new because... It is really comfortable, and it's a really high-quality sleeping bag. And I'm just so grateful that I have Dude, a new sleeping bag. Nothing like new or fresh, freshly washed or brand new linens or bedding, right? Yes. You just, like, get into it, and you're just all, mm. I love it. And I was, like, curled all up in it, and um, yes. this uh, the, we camped uh, right by a stream. And so the whole night, anytime I woke up, I heard, the like, the water flowing. Did you have to pee all night? Uh, you know, we stay, so we had a campfire because the, the ban on fires was removed. Okay. So we were able to build a campfire. And so we were actually up until like 11 or midnight just drinking some wine and talking. And so we went to bed at midnight and then I woke up around six or seven. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't pee you at like all. You like wake up all night and have to no. pee from no, the babbling actually, brook. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, it was really, it was just so peaceful Beautiful. and calm and no reception. So I wasn't bothered by my phone. And then we... For the record, I had to, I had to stop myself physically from texting you like four times this weekend because 
I I knew what you were up to, so I didn't text you. But I wrote a draft of a text. <laughs> I started it on like Friday night, and then I just kept adding to it over the next couple of days. That's why you got a monster text. Yeah, from I was me. like, I was like, how did she know that I'm back? And all of a sudden, I have like five messages. I mean, I felt so loved, <laughs> but then I also felt like, oh. She like we have a connection because she knows I'm back in reception and she wrote like this whole long thing. I was like, we are connected. No, I just I I knew to send it later in the evening. I wasn't even sure if you were coming back Sunday or Monday, but I was like, I'm gonna send it late Sunday. And it was right when I was driving home too, and I, I was, was in pretty reception. sure you were gonna get be back in town by then because you had told me some other stuff. So I was like, I'm pretty sure she's gonna be back. I'm just gonna store all this up. I swear, I opened it and would add to it. Like, I kept texting you things without texting you them. Aw, thank you. Yeah. And then on Sunday, we went on a... My watch says that it was an 11-mile hike, but... Child's play. (laughs) But I think it was more like 9 or 10 miles. I don't think it was 11 miles, even though my watch said that. Interesting. Uh, But the the leaves were beautiful. Oh, my God. You took the best pictures. Oh, it was... We'll share some. Yes. It was so Follow us on Instagram. Yes. It was so wonderful to be out in nature and just to be away from everything, away from the stresses of everyday work life. Can I tell you something I heard on Instagram? I've Why do I get my news there? It's not even news. But <laughs> how many beautiful skies do we miss because we fail to look up? For sure. Ah, boom. <laughs> One. So look up like I think being in nature and being away for the weekend gives you the opportunity to if you pull out your camera and take some pictures you get a really good opportunity to stop and appreciate what's around you and you we all need that reset in some way or other whether you find it in nature you find it you know journaling you find it whatever you need to do go for a long walk wherever but yeah so I love that that was my weekend and I'm so grateful for that and my new sleeping bag I love it. So cute. <laughs> well, um, are you ready to dive into vulnerability? Yeah. I think this concept is definitely something that I've recently been exploring a lot more of. Mm-hmm. I think when I was younger, I, I may have expressed my vulnerability in different ways. And now as an adult, um, I am trying to be more conscious about being vulnerable and being able to express it in certain ways that uh, allow me to better communicate with people. Yeah, I like how we talk about some ways that we show we're vulnerable, ways listeners can maybe expand their on their vulnerability. And then we also talk about ways in the past we haven't been so vulnerable, what we've learned from that, and then what we've learned from becoming vulnerable, where you know, where we are now and we're nowhere near done in our journey, so to speak. It's not something that you learn and you're done with and you just move on. It's something you have to practice all of the time and be really conscious of. And I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, I'd like to say that I'd like to applaud us because speaking on this podcast is one way of being vulnerable because we're sharing ourselves in an effort to build this community and we hope it resonates with everyone and it, it gives you the strength to be vulnerable in other aspects in your life too. Yeah, step into a space that maybe is a little more, this isn't something I said on the podcast, but vulnerability is getting used to being a little uncomfortable. Oh, I love 
this concept of being uncomfortable. One of my mantras is there's no growth in the comfort zone, no comfort in the growth zone. Preach, sister. Getting yeah. comfortable in the uncomfortable is a big part of vulnerability. And yeah. I think that's all I want to say about that. Today's episode is on vulnerability. We hope you enjoy. We'll see you soon. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. That was a good sound. We have an organic red wine today from Italy. Yummy. That's what we're drinking. It's pretty tasty. I like this because I know nothing about wine, so I'm glad that you're telling me and educating me about wine. Oh, that's a good idea. I should talk to people about our wine really, really, really quick. Um, Vero Sicilia 2018 Nero Diavola. So organic grapes, pure and natural, uh, all from Italy, vegan and responsibly labeled. The paper is eco-friendly, so... That's a really interesting label. 80% recycled glass in the bottle. 100% recycled cardboard for shipping. So, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Very informative. Yeah. I I like like the social... There's a lot of social... Conscious. Yeah. Yeah. Same. It caught my eye. I was shopping online for wine, which is kick-ass, man. I mean, the pandemic has brought a lot of grief but it's also really cool for online shopping and being able to order all of my wine ahead of time. And I just walk into the store and hand them my ID and they hand me all my wine. We digress. Today we're talking about vulnerability and how it plays a role in our everyday lives. It can cross and span through our personal life, our professional life. And for us, it's kind of an important topic because it's a great way to be more self-aware and influence the people or the relationships that we have. I agree. Vulnerability is such a big topic for me. It just encompasses so much. And I think of the word, I think of a lot of words when I think of vulnerability. Um, I definitely think of resilience, but being soft, being open, You know, and those words, growing up, oftentimes we're taught that some of those words that you were saying, like being soft, uh, it can have a negative connotation, like don't be soft. Translates to weak. Right. For women. And and I think our whole intention today is that vulnerability actually is being strong. Yeah. And there are ways to be vulnerable so that it helps you be a much stronger person. I agree. I think you said growing up um, leads me to think that for many of us, there's a moment in our childhood where we experience one of our primary caregivers not able to be there for us in a moment of need. And whether you're you're not maybe super conscious of it at the time, um, but it happens and your subconscious clocks it. And from that moment, you learn to put up little walls or ways, you figure out ways to protect yourself. There's a book called From Surviving to Thriving. So we learn to survive if we, if we have those moments of, um, you know, our caregiver's not able to do the thing that we need from them. And then sometimes, you know, 
if you're in that situation, it rarely just happens once <laughs> and it's something that kind of repeats itself and you learn to um, maybe overfunction as a trauma response. There's a lot of different things there, but basically you learn not to be vulnerable because if you are, people don't show up for you and you get hurt or you're left, uh, I guess, ab- abandoned feeling in some ways. So as an adult, we aren't that little child anymore that's in the corner crying or hurting or you know, with our needs abandoned, so to speak, we're able to, we're able to meet our own needs. And it's coming to that realization, I think, that is really important. And I think the journey to getting there takes a lot of other resources in your life or throughout your life. Yeah. Because for many people who've had that kind of childhood where you shared that, you know, people didn't show up, weren't there for you, or, you know, you can actually grow up and not be able to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And you actually have to learn how to be vulnerable um, and know that taking care of yourself and relying on yourself doesn't mean you have to put up walls. Or say no to everyone who tries to help you. Right. Yeah. Because if you grow up that way, you know, for example, I grew up where at the age of nine, I was making sure our mortgage and our bills were paid on time. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I was filling out paperwork so that we could get food assistance or food stamps. I was going to my brother's parent-teacher conferences because my mom couldn't get out of bed because she was suffering through depression. So you grow up learning that you have to fend for yourself. And then later on, like you said, like I've developed, and, and it's only been recent that I've realized that I it's very easy for me to fall into this role of caregiving Mm -hmm. and not letting others take care of me. I've learned that it's not healthy for me to push people away and that being vulnerable doesn't mean that I can't take care of myself. Yeah. It's a hard lesson to learn. And how do you learn that lesson is something that we can dive in today. Yeah. I mean, my story isn't entirely different. It's a little, the schematics of it are a little bit different, but... I wasn't brought up in a household where love and affection were sort of there, but it wasn't over, over displayed. Like we always, we never, we never left the house without saying I love you. Or we never said goodbye to each other whenever we left or phone calls. We always, to this day, we always say I love you. Um, but there wasn't a lot of warmth and a lot of affection and for my situation, it, was, it wasn't any one thing that I saw in the home that was contributing to this. It was its generational trauma. So coming from a Native American lineage on my mom's side, there's a lot of generational trauma. There's a lot of alcoholism and addiction. And what that does, it's like, that's a family disease. You know, we've talked a little bit about addiction before, and we'll probably talk about it more in the future. But that leads to a lot of codependency, overfunctioning, extreme independence, trauma response. And that's been handed down generation after generation in my family. And it took me until I was like 34 or something to see what was happening after my last big breakup. So just kind of coming to see, holy shit, I don't know why I am the way I am. Here's why I am the way I am. Oh, here's why they are the way they are. And everybody's doing the best they can, but... I'm so glad to have 
this, the vision now or to be able to see things in a different perspective and have the vulnerability, have, be open, be willing, ask for help, have boundaries, I like know how, what boundaries yeah. are. <laughs> I like how you said that it was eye-opening or, you know, the fact that you're able to kind of see this is why I am the way I am. This is why my family is the way they are. From a position of just recognizing, acknowledging, but without necessarily having judgment about it, right? Right. And for me, when it comes to vulnerability, something that comes to mind is acknowledging without judgment. And sometimes, again, vulnerability can have this concept of, you know, or this indication that you might be weak or that it's a bad thing. But vulnerability for me really is about being open and free to see things the way they are, Mm -hmm. as they are, and seeing how you can learn from that or recognizing and being okay with it. Not Mm -hmm. necessarily latching on or defining it by a bad or good thing. Yeah, being vulnerable to our past and not judging ourselves for it, that's huge. Like, that's what I'm hearing you kind of say. And not judging and then forgive, like, not feeling guilty about it, but just... Grace. Right. I like that. Give yourself some grace. And give others grace, too. That, too. Because I think, you know, when I think back to my own childhood, I don't blame anyone for my childhood. I actually see it, and it helps me better understand who I am today. Mm -hmm. And then for who I am today, well, where in my life do I want to improve or do I feel like I need to improve based on my past? Because it does define me. It has gotten me to where I am. Where do I want to go from there? Or where do I want to go from here? Yeah, oftentimes we grow up and we get into these adult relationships and things go awry for whatever reason it might be. You know, we are not functioning well as a couple either or friends, friendships, work relationships. I was just going to suggest work relationships as well. Things aren't functioning well. And it's if you can take that moment and have that, check that ego and say where am I not showing up as my best self where can I show up better what would happen if you know when you said that I also what came to mind I also thought was vulnerability requires you to kind of check in with yourself Mm -hmm. and sometimes it might not always be about where can I improve but how am I feeling in this moment Mm -hmm. and what do I want to do about that feeling and so it's about react, like how, you know, controlling how you react. Or do I need to do anything about right. that? Because sometimes being vulnerable is also, for me, it's being honest about how you feel. In the last few weeks, I, I've already shared that I've, I go to therapy. Mm-hmm. And one of the feelings that I have been dealing with when I talk with my therapist is um, this feeling of guilt and shame and one of the things I've been learning or trying to figure out is sitting in that feeling of guilt and shame and just letting myself be, okay, it's okay to feel guilt and shame right now. Let myself feel it so that I can better understand what what it is that's going on. I don't have to rush to get rid of that. Right. I can take my time and explore what that means. Why am I feeling that? And then determine what to do from there and not rushing yourself. I think part of that is authenticity. Yeah. Being true to yourself. And you know what? I don't always have to be positive about things. Mm-hmm. I'll just recognize how I'm feeling 
allow myself to feel that. I think that's vulnerability is just allowing yourself to feel certain things, not forcing mm-hmm. what it is, and then giving yourself grace or time to work through that. Yeah. When you said, let yourself sit in it, a phrase I use a lot too, that shame and that guilt. You, Side note, you have a nearly Catholic level of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> like if I didn't know any better. I mean, I can pick out a Catholic in a crowd <laughs> like no one's business. Like you talk to them for three minutes and random strangers and they will say, oh, I would, but I feel so bad. And they will feel bad about something that is completely not theirs to own or feel bad about. I'm like, you must be Catholic. And every <laughs> time they're like, yep. So I'll contribute that to like my Asian upbringing yeah. because everything you do should always be for the betterment of the family or the greater community. You, you know, you're taught to put others completely first. And so I think that might probably be where like my guilt and shame comes into play because when I put myself first, I start to think that maybe I'm being selfish. And so that's the other side of, I think I wanted to talk a little bit about today is the other side of vulnerability and recognizing that part of being vulnerable is accepting responsibility. Mm -hmm. Sometimes accepting responsibility for mistakes that you made and forgiving yourself once you've learned the lesson and how to improve. But sometimes what happens is you might over accept the blame. I don't know how to better say that, but you know, you, you, you think too much that it's all of your fault instead of recognizing, well, I'm partly to blame. I'm not fully to blame. No matter what kind of relationship or instance you're talking about, there's another side Mm -hmm. to the event. And you both own responsibility. So if we're talking about romantic relationships, for instance, being vulnerable is being able to be fully expressed as yourself, like you kind of said, authentic, I, I, being fully expressed as you, like fully expressing yourself, your needs, your wants, your desires, what you're feeling, and hopefully in your other person, there's no shame or judgment about those things. It's just, oh, okay, and totally other topic, but hopefully they don't try to fix them for you if you're not asking that, just being able to express it. But being able to fully express yourself sort of... Um, When you're not fully expressing yourself, you're protecting the other person from fully experiencing you. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to be authentic. It is. I think, you know, since we're talking about romantic relationships, it is probably, I think, romantic relationships, as we've already talked about in previous episodes, I think romantic relationships are are probably one of the hardest types of relationships to allow yourself to be vulnerable and openly expressed because there's that fear potentially of rejection. When you are vulnerable, you are taking that risk that you can fully be and say and do and share whatever opinions you have and know that whatever happens, you are able to accept whatever consequences or outcomes happen. And in romantic relationships, the risk is that you're losing that other person. Mm-hmm. You're, the risk is that you're going to get rejected. That kind of rejection or loss in the realm of work relationships or friendships isn't as hard to deal with. 
friendships you've often had for long times and people yeah. rarely will just throw out a friendship yes. like throwing out the baby with the bathwater. and at work you know most of the times your jobs are protected by certain things so maybe you mm. get a stern talking to if you've really gotten out of line but yeah in relationships you fear rejection and um hope i mean honestly if you're in a relationship with somebody that rejects you over your needs your feelings your wants something legit it's not a person you want to be with anyways. So it's it it's almost like a catch-22. It's funny. You're, if you're afraid of expressing yourself because this person will reject you, you already doubt their like integrity. Their level of commitment. Yeah. There's and their integrity. That, yeah. They, yeah. Their integrity, their thread, their fiber is just not strong enough to hold you as a person. And on some level, you already know that if you're fearing expressing yourself. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I'm telling you. We're, we're on a roll because this is exactly what my therapist is talking about. <laughs> when I mentioned my whole guilt and shame, yeah. I was putting the failure of our relationship, my past relationship, all on my shoulders. And he had said, like, there's, you know, like you said, there's two people in this relationship. And when we had, you know, we had been talking for a little bit and I was trying to figure out where that guilt and shame was coming from, it was coming from me holding back my true feelings and my true concerns because I could feel that there were concerns that I wanted to talk, but somewhere deep down inside me, I knew that if I talked about what was concerning me, he would leave. You knew it would fast forward it right to the end. Correct. And my therapist was like, well, you knew already at some level that you could not be vulnerable because you You were like, you were pulling the bandaid off as slow as as possible. possible. And so then he was like, just for everybody's (laughs) something to chew on. Which way is better? Pulling that fucking thing off right away. Just yank it off and be done with it. Or peel it off over a matter of hours. Yes. And uh, maybe that's, again, I always like to, I think you're the same way. With every experience you have, you always want to try to learn from those. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the lessons I'm learning from this, and therapy is a great way to kind of explore ways to be vulnerable or ways that you're not being vulnerable and identify strategies so that you can be vulnerable but I realized I that agree. slowly slowly pulling the band-aid is it's just hard for like it's horrible and it's like facing that rejection slowly instead of just getting it over and then with. it eats away like it ate away at me and I and like looking back in the relationship I could it, it explains why I was always so anxious and more anxious than I've ever been in any other relationship yeah because in past relationships I have always been able to be vulnerable and pull off that Band-Aid quicker. Mm -hmm. For some reason, this time around, it was the weirdest thing. And that that added to my anxiety. Yeah. I'm curious. I mean, you don't have to divulge any of this if you don't want to. But where in all of this does self-worth play a part? Like, how much does our self-worth kind of weigh into this vulnerability and fear of rejection? And if I'm not something for this person, am I anything at all? And that's a huge When in reality, this person is like 1% of, at at this stage, let's say, this person's like 2% of your life. You know, that's a great question. And I I honestly don't know the answer. It's like, why does this sliver weigh so much more than everyone? Because one of the questions that my therapist and I are trying to answer is, how, why am I allowing this person's opinion to affect the way I see myself and to the way I see myself worth when I have so many 
good people in my life that see my own worth, that have loved me and cared about me for years. Like we have a history and I'm letting this one person affect me so significantly. And it ties into vulnerability because if you don't have a good, strong understanding of yourself, who you are and who, you know, and and what your values are and and a good Mm self-image, I think that's where being vulnerable or the ability to be vulnerable might not be there. Yeah. And so for some reason in this past relationship, my self-worth was somehow reduced at some level. And then I was not able to be as vulnerable with him as I have been with other people. And still trying to figure that out because, you know, other people in my life... Has there been any talk of narcissist tendencies? Because narcissists often their their the way they work will um they sort of light you up a little bit to slowly neg you back down and whittle away at that it's very it's very um targeted and it it's very um what's the word i'm looking for it's just a very specific approach that narcissists usually have with people and how to get them attached how to get people attached to them And it's that they will often sort of build you up and make you feel all these things and look at how great it can be. And then they slowly sort of neg you. Like, oh, your hair's so pretty when you don't wear it up. Or, Mm. oh, you're so much prettier with mascara. Or, you know, like strangers will say, you're you're so much prettier if you smile. Fuck you, stranger. (laughs) hell out of here but like there's little tactics that narcissists do like that so i'm just curious like you know i actually we haven't talked about me and my therapist we have not talked about and narcissists narcissists. also really fail to show up and own responsibility in situations and they will often put it all on you like so i haven't when i look think back to our relationship i my therapist and i haven't talked about the narcissistic thing but when i think back to our relationship and it again you know, memory can do can play tricks on you. Oh, absolutely. And so I'm not saying I I'm not saying that he had those tendencies, but I can't really remember him nagging me or building up. What? But I do. And well, I spent like an hour <laughs> and a half with the guy, and he nagged you like five times. Yeah, that is. I guess so. So I guess like I know that he didn't. I feel like he didn't take responsibility in times where I expressed my concerns, needs, my needs. Um, multiple times and that's probably what led to me not like eventually for the like last like, feeling few, oh thanks I'm not important I'm not yeah. worth it I had felt like that so uh, a few times already and by the end of our towards the end of our relationship those were the moments where I just stopped being able to be vulnerable with him and expressing myself because when I did express myself he kind of brushed it aside couldn't meet you where you were right and, and this is recreating a trauma pattern from your childhood that you just mentioned that is true. Just recreating the pattern of someone bringing someone in who can't be there for you. That'll be $200. <laughs> Add that to my bill. How many more dinners is that? <laughs> How many more bottles of wine is that? Uh, but We'll figure I, it out later. Okay, we'll work on that on the side. So to be vulnerable, I think you really need to have, you need to know yourself. And some things you can do to know yourself are sit with like say what are my needs in what are my needs in the workplace where could my boss help me out here like if I'm not getting x y and z 
are my coworkers showing up as them best their best selves? And if they do, where am I not showing up as my best self in a relationship? What do I need out of this relationship? What's my love language? One area that I have found that helps me be vulnerable is accepting help. Okay. So sometimes yes. asking, again, I wrote I, asking for help was one of mine. Okay. So I am now in my adult life just trying to figure out who I am, what I need, where can I improve? Like I, I'm starting to recognize a lot of my traumas and f- triggers and I am trying to take responsibility to learn and grow from them. But what I've come to learn is I have, I, I have built walls where I will handle everything myself. Like that's how I've defined being independent, quote, independent. But I've learned that allowing people to help is a great way f- a great way to start mm-hmm. being vulnerable. If I if it, if I already know that it's hard for me to ask for help, then accepting help when it's offered instead of saying no, it's fine, I got this. Yeah. And it it's not the same as asking for help. I think that's the next step. But if you're struggling, or if our listeners, if you're struggling to be vulnerable, one place that you can start is simply not saying no when people offer to help. Yeah. If it's hard for you to ask for help, start there. Start accepting help. Right. Because... You're not the hero by refusing everyone's help. Right. I think think a lot of... I think women fall into this role of we need to be everything. We need to be a rock star at work. We need to be... I don't know. Name a TV housewife. We need to be like the miraculous housewife. Sex our man every day. Make sure the house is clean. Get dinner on the table. Make sure the kids get all their homework done. Like, you're supposed to do everything. And I, a lot of those societal pressures are being chipped away. And I'm really happy to see that, even though a lot of them don't apply to me. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I think women are, we're built to be superheroes. We really are. And we can yeah, withstand. We, will rise to the, we can rise to the occasion, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to. Or we... We can rise, but we may not do it well or with our sanity for very long. So, like, take the help. If your mm-hmm. husband's like, maybe we should get somebody to come in and clean the house once a month, don't take offense to that shit. Be like, that would be amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Totally. Right. And and I think that's why. And then sit back and drink a cocktail yes. while someone else does your floors. And on that note, let's take a sip of wine. Oh, we should have a little... A little sippy sip, a little clink. <laughs> Ooh, that was a big one. <laughs> I mean, gulp from me. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Everybody's pants are on, so we're fine. <laughs> so, asking for help, accepting help. I think being honest is a big part of being vulnerable and be honest with yourself, be honest with your partner. But you really have to start with being honest with With yourself. yourself. You have to know what you want. If you don't know what you want, you will never get it. Well, first you have to know what you want. Trust yourself. Yeah. And then ask for it because if you don't ask for it, you're not going to get it. Right. But not knowing, you're never going to get it. If you go to the grocery store and you have no clue what you want to have for dinner that week, you're going to stand there for two hours. You're going to leave with a hodgepodge of items and come home and not be able to make a meal. So, like, you got to know what you want. And be okay with once you know what you want. Own it. Own it. 
Because I think that's also where guilt and shame can come into play because if you're not honest with yourself, when you feel a certain way or when you want something and you feel guilt and shame, you might force yourself to change your mind about what you want. Guilt and shame is a fear of rejection Mm -hmm. and judgment. Play it out in your head. What happens if so-and-so rejects or judges me for this? Because I got news for you. Nothing happens. Nothing. Nothing at all. Like, your world will continue on. To move on. And you will be better for having expressed what you need. And I think part of it is when you don't express what you need internally, whether it's conscious or subconsciously, things are chipping away at you. It may cause you to experience anxiety. It may cause you to... Because are you always wondering, like, when am I going to tell that person mm-hmm. when I actually need it? Oh, I should have said something, and now when am I going to say it? And now I need an opportunity, and should I just bring it up out of nowhere, or do I need to wait for the yep. next time that this happens? And blah, 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 blah. That was the whole entire last six weeks of my relationship, <laughs> because every time there was an opportunity, I would be in my head so much, because I, I, I had this need to express myself, but I didn't Clam have, up. Yeah, I, I clammed up. Uh, and then and then yeah I've been there that's how I know what happened exactly now I need an in where can I say this I didn't like what just happened like I didn't like this discussion we had for xyz I need to I didn't say anything in the moment and now it's eating me alive it's all I can think about and when am I gonna say it again do I just bring it up out of nowhere do I wait until do I do I somehow force this conversation newsflash like there is no good time like one of the things I've also learned is you know what it's so much better to just get it out there Mm -hmm. Because then it won't chip away anymore. And there is like there is no right time to ask a question like a hard question right. or have a difficult conversation. Or say, hey, you know, such and such when we were hanging out last time, this really bothered me and I, I kind of expressed it. Maybe I expressed it, maybe I didn't in the moment and I've been sitting on it and here's why it bothered me. Cause I did that with somebody I hung out with a few times and I was like, I have this block about you. And um, I couldn't really define it in the moment. And I had to go and I actually had weird dreams. And uh, (laughs) um, I came back and I was like, so I now understand what this block is. And here's what it is. Um, And they still tried to get whatever. But (laughs) But I think the most important thing is you might not know how to or the words to say to address those things. But the most important thing I think is if you have a feeling and you can't put it into words, go away for a bit. Mm-hmm. Sit with those feelings. Ask yourself questions. I think part of... Don't the whole ghost thing. your person. No. But you need to want but you're to allowed, figure it out yourself. Yeah, but Some you're allowed to step away yeah. and think about it. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to say to a person that you're in a relationship with or a friendship with or a work partnership with. You're allowed to say, I need to go think about that. I just need a little time, maybe like a day or two. Can I get back to you? Like, I'm not ghosting you. I just want you to know I need to think about this. Like, it's okay to say that. But communicate with your partner. You have to communicate. You can't ghost people. Yeah. You can't just... Yeah go MIA and disappear and go off on the side of a fucking mountain and not talk to anybody for four fucking days, that is child's play. It is. And you know, and if you transition that to work life too, I mean, don't ghost your coworkers. If there's an issue, say, you know, let them know that, hey, I need some space, but I'm going to go think about it and let's touch base again tomorrow. Or if, you know, I've had some coworkers that are upset at me and I'll come talk to them. I was like, hey, I know we just had a little something, something there. Like, can we talk about it? And they might not be ready. But making that effort to say, hey, 
I care about you. You're important. What happened there? Uh, you know, I'd like some time to talk about it. If now's not the right time, let's figure out a good time. There are wrongs on both sides of the issue. Whenever you're experiencing an issue like this in the workplace, probably both of you, there's a good chance. I think most of the ones I've experienced in my role as a supervisor, manager, level person is often both sides are wrong and unable to see the whole picture, which is what my role is. The work thing is just, there's a lot a lot at play. But again, you get nowhere by not telling people what your problems are or where your issues are, where your struggles are. If you're feeling a blockage, if you're feeling angst about something and something's upsetting with you, tell somebody why. And if you can't completely express what it is that's bugging you or how you feel, think about it. Talk with another person. If you have a counselor, if you have a therapist, if you have a good friend who's got, you know, a sound level head and has no opinion or no weight, no dog in that fight, talk to them because all they want is for you to feel better so hopefully it's not somebody that's going to inflate your ego I think that's why therapists are so great they genuinely want you to feel better they want you to get to the root of your issue they have no stake or no uh what is that like um yeah they don't, they don't benefit from you know they don't benefit from you being right or wrong right. or shaming or judging yeah. they just want you to see the bigger picture so I think if we were to go back to ways that our listeners can try to look for opportunities to be more vulnerable you can start with one or two people that you do trust because I think Mm -hmm. trust is a really important piece of being able to be vulnerable because when you're not vulnerable with somebody like when you hold yourself back you are a you are contributing to a lack of trust in that relationship with whoever it is and so Mm -hmm. if you are someone who genuinely wants to work on the practice of being vulnerable, taking small steps as identifying one or two people that you trust, whether it's at work, whether it's in your personal life with your friends or in a romantic relationship, look for small steps towards being vulnerable. Try to share one thing, one fear, one concern with someone that you trust that you know won't judge you for it or will be, you know, will listen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need someone to listen. And trust is such a great point. Trust is huge. And I think when you're not vulnerable, you decrease the trust. Yeah. When you are vulnerable, you increase that trust. I agree. Thank you for saying trust. That's, we, I can't believe we hadn't touched on that word yet. But oh, yeah. That's a good one. That's great. Yeah, I think... Um, I think it all, uh, trusting in the other people, and I think it's also trusting yourself. Definitely. I was just about to say that. Um Trusting yourself and how you feel, but it requires, again, internally looking at yourself, Mm -hmm. trusting what you feel, trusting that it's okay to want what you want, to feel what you feel, to need what you need. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, we've talked about some ways where we can be vulnerable and some tactical things for how to be vulnerable. And I hope you've heard what this can provide for you, but it's really going to expand the relationships you have expand and deepen the relationships you have yeah. i think as human beings we all need to feel connected i mean even with this especially during this pandemic like the inability to physically yeah. be in contact with people i remember the first hug I'm that i so, had so uh, was i one of your first hugs i'm so grateful that i have you in my little 
COVID circle. circle. Yeah, we say a COVID circle, but we don't have COVID. But, you know, <laughs> we have a handful of people that we are, quote, exposed to. Right. Expo- um, exposed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, oh, my listeners out there. It wasn't until we were editing that I realized how many times I had said that I was exposing myself <laughs> during the summertime when we were shut down just because... I mean, we were exposed at the pool, but not completely. <laughs> but I did not mean like exposed... Nude? Nude. Like she's I just an exhibitionist. <laughs> Although that is a form of vulnerability. It is. Hey, go for it. Being, for you know, it. being comfortable in your own skin. It can, you know, but anyways, we digress. Yes. But, uh, you know, I remember like one of my first hugs that I had during the whole COVID shutdown. Yeah. It is amazing how... I think it was probably six weeks in before I said, can we just hug to either you or Shireen or some of my friends? Like there was a few friends that I asked and they were like, rather not. And I was like, okay, that's your call. But I was like, I need a hug. Like, yes. Can we just touch people human touch and you know human touch human connection is so important and vulnerability is one of the best ways that you can build that trust that connection to deepen that relationship and i truly believe without being vulnerable you close yourself off to a lot of potential to truly be in touch with who you are and be not only be accepted by others but you can accept yourself. On a level that is so profound, like so profound, you you cannot be seen until you can be vulnerable. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, it, it, we all want to be seen. and We all want to just feel like we matter. What is the messaging you're putting out there if you aren't vulnerable, aren't expressing who you are if you aren't being soft in those moments having those human interactions you can't be fully seen and I think we all really want that and I want that I want that I want that not for me I want that for For, you yes like I I think that's part of the reason we want to talk to people on here Mm -hmm, because I've done Made it for like 45 minutes. She dropped it for sure. <laughs> oh gosh. So, I mean, I think we all want to be seen. We all we want that connection. And I want that for everybody on here. It's part of why we're talking to everyone because I've gone through some massive healing and journey to figure out myself and my place and my voice. It was always there, but it was always really subdued I hid a lot of it for self-worth reasons for fear for a fear of rejection fear of not being loved um you know I I was a big over responder over functioning person um and I unlearned a lot of codependency things and so many people I I don't want to toot my own horn so many people started telling me toot away I just over the last few years, so many people would say things to me like, even people I didn't know very well who I would just speak to randomly would say things to me like, I feel so much better after talking to you. And I wouldn't even really be intentionally doing something. There would just be a vibe that made me want to talk to this person about X, Y, or Z. 
I would feel something. I would want to talk to them. And then they would thank me for talking to them and feel better and go on the way. And I've made really, really strange connections to people in the oddest of places. But, and I just heard from people that it made them feel better. And I was like, if that happens to these few people, I hope there's a message I can share that makes other people feel better. I think that's also part of my legacy, which can be another show some other time. Like part of my legacy, part of my truth is if I've made uh, anyone's day a little bit better and they've moved on a little more enlightened and I've hopefully made them laugh or smile, then I'm so happy. Well, it speaks to our mission of our whole podcast that we are trying to connect people and build a community through shared experiences. And every time you share a piece of yourself, a piece of your past and experiences, it allows people to connect with you, right? Human connection. And, you know, I was going to say that one of the ways I have found or recognized that, um, that I am making steps progressive steps towards being vulnerable is by sharing my experiences, especially experiences where I have not succeeded in certain things or in certain areas. It makes me recognize that I'm human and that I'm not the best at everything and that there are some things that I just suck at. And being able to tell somebody, especially, you know, my students or my residents that I work with, like I completely failed my board's exam. Then it's it's me say like sharing like something that I could potentially be ashamed about. I mean, when I failed my boards exam, I really felt like I was not worthy of being a dentist, that I sucked at being a dentist and that I was not worthy about it, you know, that I just couldn't succeed. But then just being, as a side note, Miley has passed all of her boards. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> um, eventually. She's not a flunky out here. No. But you know, Being able to share my failures with my students and residents, I think it lets them know that, hey, I'm sharing a piece of myself because I want you to know that it's okay for you not to be perfect. You know how I feel about failure too. It is just a learning. It it is. It is a a way of life. And it actually, what I've learned, especially from that experience of failing, is that it can either, you know, you have two choices. You can either let it define you and you go down this road of, you know, not having self-worth and not valuing yourself, or it makes you a much stronger person. Mm-hmm. I have found that during my moments of success, when it comes easy, I haven't really, ga- I don't gain as much as when I fail at something. It's a very and then, fleeting, yes, it's fleeting. emotion, mm-hmm. right? Like it's right. like, I did this. Yes. yes. On to the next thing. Yeah. But when I failed on my boards, like I worked harder and it made me value and myself more yeah. once I, once I passed, I was like, damn it, I'm going to be a dentist, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be the best dentist because if I can overcome this, yeah. I can overcome anything. Like, yeah, and I fucking did. Exactly. <laughs> Fuck you, boards exam. <laughs> and so, you know, being able to share that experience with my students and residents, it tells them that it's okay to fail as long as you let it make you a better person, a We're stronger gonna person. We're going to talk a whole episode about failure because I have so many. Yeah. I mean, I have so many opinions on failure. It's like fall down eight times, stand up nine. Exactly. And if you don't fall down, you can never appreciate the good. I think you, if you never fall down, you don't. You've never tried. No, you've never tried. You know, one of my friends said, like, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. A hundred percent. And I really like that. That quote stays um, has stayed with me for a while. If you've never failed, you've never tried. You've never tried anything new. Yeah. 
I think uh, Jay Shetty said that. Oh, he in might one have. Of his things. I love Jay Shetty. I like Jay Shetty. He's too. great. Jay Shetty, want to come on our show? <laughs> we love you. <laughs> I think when you are vulnerable enough to share your past experiences, it also shows to you, but also hopefully to others that you that there's a concept of needing to be brave about it too right Mm -hmm. there's this concept of accountability and ownership Mm -hmm. and in the workplace I I very much try to lead by example like I will often say to people who've done something that is not in line with our mission and our our the energy we want to put out there I'm like so when you did that could you see me doing that Oh, that's a good question. Is that something I would do? Or if I'm not around and you have a judgment call to make, like most people will come to me in the office and ask me what to do in tough times. And I'm like, if I'm not around, what would I do? Like you've worked with me for this long. Just stop and think, what would... Mandy do. WWMD. That's what I think. Yeah. So, I mean, by being vulnerable, you can really only open yourself up to more... More experiences, deeper experiences, more meaningful life, and um, I think just a, a round, a more well-rounded experience. But the decision is yours, listeners. Yes. Like you have to want, want it. I mean, you don't have to take all of this from us as gospel. You know, do your own research. Talk to a therapist. If you feel you need one, um, there are lots of employee assisted programs with insurers these days. If you're, if you have insurance, traditional mm-hmm. insurance. And it doesn't mean it has to happen overnight. Like right. I said, like oh, I'm, God, no. I mean, I'm just you figuring yes. things out and you I'm talked 34. About, you talked about identifying your traumas and triggers. I was the same age identifying mine. It took me probably three years to, to be able to really enforce um, sort of my boundaries around those triggers and traumas. Like I knew them and I could identify them and I could talk about them. Yeah. Like I, it took me a minute to get there, but three years before I was really solid in like, no. Yeah, you know, uh, Mark Manson just actually came out with an article that he sent out. I don't know if he just wrote it. It might have been a recycled article that he sent out. I just joined his mailing list, but... Mark Manson. I think that's his name. Maybe. <laughs> I think that's his name. Do you know he's he's the author of, no, he's the author of um, How to Not Give a Fuck. I think it's a comedian. I think. No, he's not. He's a, Mark Maron. That's who I'm thinking of. Mark Mark Manson. Mark Mark Manson. He's an author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And then Everything is Fucked, a book about hope. (laughs) You know, he sent out this article yesterday or today, I forget, but it was about vulnerability. Okay. And one of the suggestions was to talk to a therapist because when you go to somebody who is not your friend, is not... No agenda. No agenda. um, You can talk freely. Mm -hmm. And that fear of rejection or that fear of... Um, First of all, they're being judgment. paid to listen to you, so they're right. not going to yeah. reject you. And if you don't like it, their opinion doesn't even matter. Like we said in a previous, another. a previous episode, try it three times. Yes. And so it, it's a great place. It's a safe place. To start. To start being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And my therapist asks me questions, and I'm like, you know what? I actually don't know how to answer that. And then that question stays with you if you're open to it. Between that time and the next time I see my therapist, I think about that. Mm-hmm. And... I might say, you know, 
I still don't know what the answers are, but I'm thinking this. And I think eventually you get to a place where you ask yourself those questions. Yeah. That's another thing too. Faster. That's why I find so much peace when I hike. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes what I'll do is I, I have a list of questions like that help you understand yourself more or questions that I've found on different blogs and online that, you know, if you really want to get to know yourself, these are some questions that you should ask yourself. So every time I go on a hike, I'll pick one of those questions and that'll be a question that I think about while I'm on a hike to try to get to know myself more. Why do I think about, you know, why do I think this about this? Mm -hmm. Um, And so finding opportunities to really reflect, be with yourself. I'm introverted, so, and I'm... I'm a reflector. I love I love doing that stuff. And I probably didn't when I was in a more, as funny as it sounds, I think I was more vulnerable before I was vulnerable. Like I was, um, before I came into this new light, so to speak, I, it was easier to hurt me because I, I, because I didn't make my needs known. People could hurt me more because they didn't know my boundaries, if that makes sense. They didn't understand my needs or my wants, so it was much easier for people to do things that I didn't like. Now being more of like, I think I'm back to my old self, I should say, but I am the type of person who likes to reflect and likes to think about things and likes to, I'm a why, I'm not a what, and I've never been a what person, I'm a why person. I can see a person on the street and they have a a hot pink mohawk that's six inches tall and maybe the person I'm with goes oh wow look at that mohawk and all I think is I wonder what motivated them to do that I'm like that too especially you know when you said the mohawk thing I love talking to people about their tattoos I was just gonna say tattoos because I'm not judgy about no. tattoos in yeah. any way I'm like okay tell me about this neck tattoo because it's aggressive or oh my gosh did I tell you we can segue into the ending here. <laughs> I forgot to tell you, I had my car in for a service recently. Speaking of tattoos, right? I had the hottest service advisor I Ooh. have ever had at a car dealership or any anywhere with a car. Like, hot? Okay, define hot. Like, because, you know... It's a vibe. Ooh, okay. It's a vibe. Tell me okay? more. So my previous service advisor had left and the dealership had actually emailed me to tell me that she was no longer there. And they might have told me who was going to be my new guy, but I didn't pay no fucking attention. I don't care. Whatever. Just take care change, of my car. Change my oil and rotate my fucking tires and let's go. And do it in an hour or less. Jesus. It doesn't. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I get really antsy at dealerships. So I've gotten better. But um, especially now with this hot guy, shucks, you might be. <sighs> Jesus. Not in a rush. Yeah, dude, I'm fine. Take your time. No worries. So I I called and I made an appointment and I went in to have my car serviced and I you know, you roll up in the driveway and some porter comes out and checks your name and then he goes and Is that they're, they're called porters? Yeah. Interesting. So he comes and um leads me to my service advisor who's and I, you know, I didn't pay attention to who I Right. Made an appointment with. They just assigned me someone I thought randomly. So I walk in and I go, oh, and I kind of look around like this used to be so and so's desk, my previous service advisor. And this guy was like, yep, I'm you know here for her now. I'm like, oh, okay, you're the one in the email. He's a bald guy, shaved head. I'm pretty sure he had a goatee. Yes, I'm pretty sure it was a goatee, but it was like a sexy goatee, not a creepy mm-hmm. goatee, and it was. 
like he has sandy blonde hair, but there was heavy salt and pepper. Mm. Piercing blue eyes. Ooh. Piercing. Wearing the service advisor outfit, you know, whatever they wear. Like, it's like <laughs> the pants and a button. <laughs> it's like a button shirt, you know. There's like a button collared shirt okay. happening. Okay. And it's professional looking. Okay. But in the neck, the top button, maybe two, undone. is undone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's crazy chest tattoos mm-hmm. under there. And I start clocking all this stuff. And I'm just like, he's talking to me and I am not listening to it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's 60,000 miles. I'm due for an oil change. And I'm used to, I don't think I've owned um, like a Toyota or a foreign car this many miles in a while. So I'm just used to like the old cars. I have a hybrid now. So I'm used to old cars that need um, like transmission fluid flushes and all these big services they used to recommend at 60,000 miles. And I'm like, I don't know. I guess I probably need a lot of work on it, right? Don't we need to do some things? He's like, well, I don't think so. You're, you know, they'll take a look at it. We'll do an oil change and we'll change that air filter. Because I was like, yeah, I haven't had that done in a minute. And if they find anything, you know, maybe a transmission fluid flush. But we'll let you know once we get it. I'm like, okay, great. And he's chatty and he's friendly. And I'm just like kind of clocking all of these physical details. And he's like rambling on other checks and flushes and I don't know, stuff. And I'm just like staring at his eyes at his tattoos. <laughs> and then I sit down and I, I propped open my laptop and I worked for a little while. He told me it was going to be like an hour and a half. And I actually had a date that evening and I didn't really want to be there close to two hours. I think I clocked about an hour and a half to be in the dealership that day. And he said it might be closer to two hours. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Mm. As long as I'm out of here by five, I think it was. I really, you know, I just, I kind of need to be out of here. And he was like, all right, we'll see what we can do. So sit down. I mean, it was an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes. And he was all of a sudden popping back up at the little table I had set up shop. And he's like, your car's ready. It's being pulled up. I'm like, what? That's crazy. Okay. So I get over there and he's checking me out. He's taking my money. And he's like, so what plans do you have tonight? And I'm like, why do you want to know my plans? (laughs) (laughs) And then, because I had made kind of a stink about getting out of there in time, but I didn't want to tell this hot guy I had a date. So <laughs> I was like, um, grocery shopping? <laughs> okay, so here's what happens. Then he goes, I said something, grocery shopping and cooking dinner, probably like cooking a meal for the next day or two. You know, I need to cook some food, whatever it was. I just got back into town probably or something. I don't know. He's like, oh, I just talked to my wife. And oh. she, yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. dropped the wife bomb on me. And then I like, I hadn't looked at his ring finger. I don't do that. Like, I just don't as a rule. Not as a rule. As a general rule. It's just not a habit of mine. Like a lot of girls do, but I don't really care. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a homewrecker. I just, whatever. It was a fantasy. Why did you have to burst it for me? (laughs) Jeez. He's like, yeah, my wife's making blah, blah for dinner. And I'm like, you got the keys. Let's go. I'm out of here. Darn. Thanks, Brian. I don't even remember what his name was. Some mm. shit like that. Some white guy from LA. LA. Hot though. Like I'm looking for a reason to take my car in. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Maybe I should show up and be like So wait, did you see any of the tattoos? Did it make any sense? Did you ask him about the tattoos? I did not ask him. He oh. dropped the wife bomb on me and I was just like, Yeah. We're done here. <laughs> <laughs> We're out. Peace. I gotta go home and race that from my brain. Scrub it. <laughs> How was the date? I don't remember. (laughs) I don't remember who I was going out with that day. I mean, there's, you know, like a random 
assortment of first daters that most of them don't make it anywhere else. So I don't know. This was like a month ago. It was probably a fun date. <laughs> that you don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not dating anybody now, so it couldn't have been that great. Hmm. So we did ask our listeners for suggestions for first date ideas. Phys- yeah, physical distancing first date ideas. Mm-hmm. I did get have tacos in the park. Oh, tacos in the park. That's good. Which I was like, that's crazy specific. Why does it have to be tacos? tacos. <laughs> but but I, everybody okay. loves fucking tacos. Yeah, I was so surprised when I got back into dating that tacos were such a big thing. I Every didn't realize dude. everybody wa- talks about like, I know the best place in town for tacos. And I'm thinking, is this like... like Do you a- guys think that's original? Well, no, but for me, I was like... Is this a code for something? When I first, when I <laughs> when I first got back into online is dating, a code? And, uh, like when and I kept seeing ta- say, seeing tacos, I was like, is this like a secret code word that I don't know about? But people are really talking about tacos, right? Maybe. Okay, so you know, tacos is a sexual thing. I know. That's so, what I'm saying. So I'm like, wait a minute. Now that you mention it, is this like an opening for a girl to be like, I got a taco. I don't know, but... Help yourself to my taco. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but that's what I was saying. So, like, I was like, wait, you did I respond to that? <laughs> I, I physically was like, oh. Flinched. Like, your whole yeah. body was like, so, oh. Yeah, that's always been a question of mine ever since I got into oh, dating. Oh, I just like, thought they were all basic white guys who have nothing better to say. They so, all say yeah. tacos. Probably the second most common answer to that question is sushi. Mm. Do you see that one? No, I don't see sushi. No. I see a lot of tacos. <laughs> um, like food, food tacos. I see a lot of tacos. <laughs> food tacos. <laughs> what kind of porn are you watching? <laughs> oh, man. I see a lot of tacos. And then we also got a response that said ice cream and a walk, oh. which I liked because I was doing a little bit of dating kind of over early summer and then late summer when I was back in town. And that was something that I had considered, although I never got to take anybody up on it. I did like that one because, I don't know, I just think it's... You've done smoothie and a walk. Smoothies. So, like, just something yeah. fun and easy and a walk Something somewhere. to do with my hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went on a bike ride with yep. someone through the Scottsdale... The green belt. Green belt. That was fun. And I even saw other people like rollerblading. And so like those are some good physical distancing dates. Yep. We put some um, up on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, museums. Museums. I did I personally. I have a museum date coming up. Ooh, I know. I was going to ask you about it because remember I, so I had suggested the MIM, the Musical yes. Instrument Museum. Uh, as a first date because I love music and musical instruments and stuff but I do too um, one of our and listeners bands. yeah bands band one person. of our listeners said that because I've never been to the MIM but one of our listeners said that the MIM you everyone gets a head of, like a set of headphones and you walk through the museum so it might not be a good first date um, it might be a good like maybe third because or it's fourth. guided with headphones mm-hmm. okay so I take that suggestion back I'll go alone yeah actually I'll have a date yeah. never stop dating yourself yourself yes um, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, that like it goes back to like you know our whole thing of going to the movies by yourself. Like, don't be afraid to spend time with yourself because that's the best way for you to keep. You know, the best relationship you have in your life is a relationship that you have with yourself. An open and honest one. That's really key to it, mm-hmm. and I think part of that is accepting 
being you know, solid in yourself, yeah. mm-hmm. then you can yeah. move on. Because if you can't be open, honest with yourself and accept yourself, how can other people do that? Exactly. So, the MIM maybe not a great first date. No. But I am going to a museum downtown yeah. this weekend. Which I'll museum? report back and let you know. <laughs> Why oh. are you trying to find me? <laughs> I might. Uh, She's like, which museum see, and what time? Yeah. And then, you know. What will you be wearing? <laughs> don't worry i got you i don't need to know what you're wearing i got you yeah and let's uh, pick out outfits later um the <laughs> phoenix art museum so Ooh. i can update people on that later i actually have never been to the mo the scottsdale modern art the is it is I it smoma not. modern modern oh, museum I've, of modern I've never art been. i've never been to that one either i kind of want to but mm. i don't know what they're doing right now have you ever been to the botanical gardens i have a few times those mm. are I think I've only been once, and it was a school field trip when I was in the fifth grade. Oh, they're fun. They're cactus-y. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Cactus-y? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you think that would be a good first date? It could be. If you're into... It's a chill place, I think, to walk around. It's at least quiet. Okay. And you can be spaced out from other people. And, you know, if you want to take some photos, you can. It's really pretty. Take photos of just... Oh, yeah. I don't know if people are taking photos on first dates. I don't think I ever have. Um, unless they go to the bathroom and then I'm like taking a selfie or something. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the botanical gardens wouldn't be bad. I mean, there's really easy little, we talked about hikes and like Papago and parks to walk around. I also said, suggested on our Instagram, a Zoom class, like taking a virtual class, a cooking class or an art class. I saw some of those wine and paint classes are doing virtual things. So you can pick up the materials oh. ahead of time and then learn to paint a picture virtually. With your date? You can. I mean, is you can be either virtually, both virtual, or you could be in the same space and watching the class virtual. Interesting. That yeah. is a creative way. I think to do cooking together is a fun thing yeah. to do, whether or not you're comfortable being in uh, each other's homes. So everybody's I've personal. I've a big fan of cooking together. Mm-hmm. I'm... New to the stove. Yeah, you're new to cooking. I'm very new, but... You did prepare my pho tonight. Yes, I'm very good at transferring noodles and vegetables from a paper container into a bowl and then pouring broth into it. You crushed it. (laughs) Yeah! So that's the other thing that I forgot to mention about vulnerability. Is also... Taking pride when you, you know, like earlier you were tooting your own horn, but the thing is like, you, you should be proud of yourself and don't be afraid to say, hey, I'm a rock star. That's true. I did good because that's also part of being vulnerable too. Um, allowing yourself to feel those kinds of emotions too. I, I, I hesitate to say good and bad emotions. I like to think that, you know, they're just you, emotions, they're emotions but mm-hmm. it's good to take pride in yourself too. I agree. And we're going to get more into confidence in a yes. future episode, the next episode actually. So um, we will definitely be touching more on owning your space. Owning your light. Yes. I like it. Do we want to end today with anything else? I'm going to make a gratitude statement. Ooh, let's let's do that. Today I'm showing up really grateful for super simple things like air conditioning and Wi-Fi. Can I ask why? I uh, just worked from home today. And <laughs> thank you, Phoenix, for popping again into the 90 degree mark. And I have wife, or I have 
not only have Wi-Fi to work from home, but I have air conditioning. So I'm just grateful for simple little stuff right now. I'm grateful for this time with you, for our platform, for our listeners, for the connections, for the funny things that you guys send us in DMs and comments on our social media. I'm very grateful for that. I think when people share, when our listeners share the things that make them laugh or comments mm-hmm. that they're like, I totally get what you're saying or I that happened to me too. Those comments and just responses really light up my day and I'm really grateful for those. You'd be so surprised. You know, one of the things that have really uh, kind of stuck out in my mind the last week is you don't know what the person next to you might be experiencing and you know sharing kindness a smile a hello a checking in um, can do wonders for people because you you honestly don't know what's happening in their personal life where you know what happened before they got to work um and so um Comments like that really have made my day a lot the last seven days, for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> I think that's only two. I know. I'm on a roll. <laughs> but uh, And so I'm really grateful for just um, hearing from our, our listeners when they say, like, hey, when you said that, it really resonated or... Um, I'm glad that, you know, you went through that and shared that because I've been going through it too. Mm-hmm. Um, or they just say like, hey, the amount of times you say for sure, it makes me laugh so much. And I'm like, hey, if if my quirks make you laugh, <laughs> go for it. I will keep quirking it up. <laughs> it's a drinking game. And if y'all were drinking every time she said for sure in episode four, <laughs> you must have been shit-faced. Probably shit-faced. 10 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, it was about maybe 30 minutes in and I'd counted three already. So I was, <laughs> and then I kind of stopped counting. I just got into what we were chatting about. But yeah, that's a, that was a good one. I'm grateful for your quirks. I think they're adorable. I have them too. I have all sorts of weird shit. I'm like, whatever. I was telling somebody this weekend, you just have to get over it. I was like, you know how many times you have to listen to your own voice and the words you say and you hear the ums and you hear the pauses and the stutters or I don't know whatever else I fucking do weird noises like sniffles and uh, whatever you hear it when you have to hear yourself over and over and over so (laughs) it's a learning experience for me too I think part of that again sorry we're talking about vulnerability so when Mm -hmm. you notice those quirks about yourself like you can either own it and say hey it's who I am and just laugh about it and that's part of being vulnerable too like I mean, I just working laugh on my- at how many times I say for sure, and now it's just like a running joke that I, you know what? That's that's how I communicate. That's me saying I totally agree. Yeah, she's in. You have you have buy-in from Miley if she says for sure. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. I love our lip sync video. Oh, we should do more. Oh, of those. for sure. <laughs> and the way you said it was just so great. Oh, for sure. I don't even know what over. It was like if I was directing a movie, I could not have. I could not have directed you into saying it better. It was just so fucking good. Oh, for sure. What? What is even happening? 
so funny. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Please continue to uh, provide us with uh, comments and suggestions and ideas and your thoughts. And uh, we really appreciate you. Follow us on Instagram. At the Main Dish Podcast on Instagram, at the Main Dish Pod on Facebook, at the Main Dish Pod on Twitter. We are in the process of building a couple other things, so we'll give you more details on those as soon as they get up and running. Everything seems to have its hoops to jump through, but Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify, tune in. And if you like what you're hearing, please recommend us to your your friends. friends. Yes. We want to build a community, and uh, we hope that you can help us build that community. Share our posts on Instagram or share our stories. Share our things on Facebook if you find us there, and we thank you for it. We love you. We love you. For sure. (laughs) 